are listening to The Mental Cast, a podcast with great discussions about mental performance training, coaching, and education and learning. Hosted by Dan Meckel and powered by Soul Performance Academy. Please check out all social media accounts at 717Soul and at Real Dan Mickle for up-to-date information, challenges, and questions. If you'd like to reach out to us here at The Mentalcast, please email us podcast at 717soul.com or podcast at Dan Mickle and we will get back to you and may use your question for future episodes. You can also use the hashtags Ask717Soul and Ask Dan Mickle to reach us. Lastly, we would love your support across all our social media accounts at Real Dan Mickle for all of Dan Mickle's social media accounts and at 717Soul for Soul Performance Academy. Thank you. And now here is your host, Dan Mickle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mental Cast powered by Soul Performance Academy. I am the host, Dan Mickle. And yeah, this episode is going to be a challenge, probably. Um, I'm going scriptless, and it could be a short episode, it could be a long episode. I'm not really sure. Um, those of you that follow me on social media know that I kind of alluded to taken a step back from producing some of the social media content because I've really been focusing on a topic and it's been a pretty deep rabbit hole but it's it's a personal connection too so there's that element and aspect of it um, so I'm ready to start the process of talking about it but it, you have to realize it's going to be an ongoing process it's not going to be like, hey, here's this episode and here's a blog post and here's some stuff and now I'm moving on. This will probably be evolving for a long time. Um, and and I guess I should give some background on where this is all coming from and, and trust me, we'll get there. Um, before I do, let me just take care of all the normal stuff. Uh, you can reach me directly on all social media at Real Dan Mickle. Please make sure you follow Soul Performance Academy at 717soul across all social media please subscribe to the youtube channel to continue to get updates on this podcast and other podcasts the proper atmosphere plus all the other stuff that we do um, some great content there for coaches and players and educators and just a bunch of great stuff i think and please 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 feel free to comment and get involved and let's have some discussions on that um, and again you can also reach out podcast at mentalcast.com and you can check out mentalcast.com for all the past episodes and as usual work available on all podcasting platforms uh, iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Amazon, um, all that stuff so feel free to subscribe to us there would love some feedback and some ratings to help kind of pump things up there so, you know, typically the mental cast is where I'm bringing you some interviews or we're having discussions on mental performance training and coaching education and, and education in general. Um, but this one's, again, going to kind of hit home a little bit. And, you know, I, I talked in the last couple episodes about fixing myself and trying to turn the corner a little bit with the podcast and making it a little bit more personal and not so clinical. Um, this one is a little bit about me, but it, it's a much bigger thing. And I guess to start with is 
when I got my degrees in sports psychology and the stuff I worked on, I, I really loved it. I, I love this field. I love everything I do. I love being, you know, a mental coach, a perform, you know, a performance coach. I love everything that I do about that. Um, but I've always felt like there was a part of me tugging me towards a, a different direction. I wouldn't say different, a, a related direction, but I guess a more focused. I, I felt like there was a bigger need or a bigger gap within the performance psychology and the sports psychology area. And I, but I just didn't know what it was. You know, it's like that deja vu feeling almost like you feel like it's there, but you can't kind of put your finger on it. And it it recently has come to light what has been bothering me. And I want to begin by saying what I'm going to discuss today and the topics and, and instances that I'm going to bring up are not against anyone or about anyone or a problem with anyone. Um, in fact, it's the opposite. I think some people have done a great job, but I just want to make sure that everyone understands that this is about providing the context and what my future discussions are going to be on. It's not a, you know, critique or any type of scenario like that. The title of this podcast has pretty significant meaning that I'm going to get into in a little bit, but it's 551. That's that's the title of this episode, 551. So where to begin on all this? And I'm going to start by giving a little bit of background because I think that is more important to know where I'm coming from and, and how I think I got led to the point where I'm at and where I'm at. But um, those of you that know and, and know me personally or have followed me on social media and have seen me on some of my other, uh, some podcasts that I was a guest on, my daughter, um, Morgan, has been a guest as well on some of them. So some of you have have met her in person or know her in person, and some of you have seen her on some of the podcasts, or she was even on a couple episodes by herself without me. Um, but one thing that's been a struggle for us as a family is Morgan is neurodivergent. M Morgan has ADHD, and the process of figuring that out um, and, and, and getting it where it is today has been, I don't want to sound cliche or overuse the term, has been a bit of a nightmare. Um, it, it's just been trying to figure out the differences in what's going on and, and why we saw certain things and why she does certain things and and then taking it to the next step of figuring out how to help her and how to work with her and working with the school and the teachers and getting the IEPs and, 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 and that aspect of everything has been a struggle. Um, but we're in a good place. We, we've, we've got the medication plan and we've got her IEPs and she's really excelling. And it wasn't that she was a bad student before. It's just she was struggling at times when you think that she wasn't. And then anyone that has gone down the rabbit hole or even has, you know, family that's ADHD, you start to notice the the little things and, and things that were happening and kind of like what's what's the deal with this what what's 
what's going on and, and why does this happen and, and starting to learn more and more. So as we've learned and, and things, you get those moments like, ah, now it makes sense on, on why this happens or why she's this way and, and, and how we have to work with it and deal with it. And again, it's all about helping her. Um, and, and you start to think about and look back at all the things of her growing up, you know, she's now a freshman in high school, but there were signs in elementary school that we should have probably noticed and we, and we just didn't catch. And again, it's no one's fault. It's no one's blaming. It's as new parents, how do you know? And you try and figure this out. Um, so it's been a struggle, but enlightening in the fact that she has been very open with me and and of course i've asked her permission hey can i talk about this and and a typical morgan response was dad anyone that knows me knows i got something going on so um and that's just the relationship we have and i'm thankful her and i have that relationship but we've had some some really good talks about it so that i could understand it a little bit more so the reason I tell this part of the story is because I believe this is the seed that kind of planted where I'm getting to and, and, and what I want to talk about today is because of now working and seeing her struggle and and getting the diagnosis of ADHD and then learning more about the ADHD. Um, it, it, it brings me to, you know, the research and, and where I'm at and, and what's been bothering me. And what it comes down to is the CDC numbers say one in six children. And, and you know, the, the range is pretty broad, whether it's, you know, one year old up to 18. But, but I'm taking it as, you know, one through 18 years of age. But, but one in six are diagnosed with neurodivergence, some form of neurodivergence, whether it's ADHD, OCD, auti- you know, on the autistic scale, one in, one in six. But m- much like a lot of things, especially dealing with kids, is that's what's diagnosed. We don't know what's out there that isn't diagnosed or, you know, just whether it's social economic reasons it's not getting diagnosed or you know it's still a little bit hidden who knows but that one in six number is kind of what i stick with and the the reason that i titled this episode 551 is those that know me know that i i keep records of everything um but 551 is the number of student athletes or athletes that I have worked with since I started coaching in 1992, my first year. Um, th- that 551 doesn't include um, my years that I was a percussion instructor. This is purely athletic, but they should certainly be added into it, but I didn't keep records of that. So I just want to stick with what I know right now, which is, I've had 551 different athletes that I've coached since 1992, different levels from youth club to high school to professional. Um, and, and I stop at that 25 age when it comes to the professional, but 
um, and all different backgrounds, races, obviously ages, abilities, um, pretty diverse. But 551 is that number. If we take the statistics from the CDC, one in six, that would mean nearly 100, but somewhere between you know 91 if you want to be the math nerd about it. 91 of those athletes that I have had most likely were neurodivergent. And it's hard to think about. It, it may seem simple. You may be listening to this and not thinking much about it. But I start to look back and think about who those 100 may have been. And how did I treat them? How did I coach them? And did I help them? Or did I make things worse? The reason that I'm doing this, and the reason I think, again, that it's been in the back of my head to talk about is I see a lot of posts in a lot of groups that I'm on, whether it's coaching groups, or parent groups, athlete groups, and, and it's not just, obviously, I work in the volleyball world the most, but it's not just that. It's, it's all the sport groups. And I start to realize that we as coaches, and I'm going to generalize, and, and you know I, I know there are people out there that don't fit this, but we as coaches don't know what we're doing when it comes to these athletes. When it comes to neurodivergent athletes, we don't know what we're doing. And what scares me, and it scares me because I see it in myself, or when I look back, I worry about it. We see posts all the time from coaches. I have this team and they don't listen. They're not paying attention. And I run them. I do suicides. And can we please, like, we shouldn't even be doing them. But can we at least, at the very least, stop calling them suicides? Like, there are very few things in the coaching world that coaches do or say that really upset me. This is probably the top of the list. Just stop calling it that. Call them wind sprints. Call them sprints. Call them lines. I don't care what you call them. But we got to get off the calling it suicide. And if you don't know why, then you probably shouldn't be coaching. Because you have no hand in the pulse of the nation right now. And in youth sports. Anyway, sorry to go off on that tangent. But what I realize is we talk about, you know, punishing these kids that aren't paying attention. They don't have the focus. They lack discipline. Maybe they do, but maybe they're also neurodivergent. Maybe they can't help it. And I think about watching Morgan go through her journey. Now, I will say, for any of her coaches that are listening, they've done a really good job, especially probably not knowing that she was. They did a, a pretty good job. Now, there's always drama and stuff, but, but it's, it's 
rarely, if ever, come from the coaching side. So I don't want anyone to think that I am criticizing any of her coaches. I have nothing but the respect for all her coaches. They have done a wonderful job, and I thank them. I thank every single one of them for the development and growth of my child. But I think as a whole, we just, we just don't know. As a former coaching education cadre member for my governing body, we never talked about it. We've talked about sports psychology. We talked about mental training, but we never, ever discussed how do we coach people that are neurodivergent? How do we work with those athletes? Because we end up punishing athletes that can't help it. An athlete not paying attention isn't always their fault. It is literally the chemicals and the wiring of their brain that is causing it. And we're making them run laps and we're making them do push-ups because they can't focus. We don't teach teammates how to be good teammates to players with that. And I get it. It can be tough. It can be tough as a parent to put on that medical release or put on those registrations. Hey, my child has that because you're afraid. You're afraid of the stigma of it. You're afraid how teammates might treat your kid because they find out that they're neurodivergent, that they're on the autism scale, or that they have ADHD or ADD or OCD. And you're worried about how they're going to get treated. But we talk about how sports are supposed to create these life skills and how they're supposed to help, but we're, we're doing a disservice because we're not doing it. We're not taking the training. We're not learning. So I guess my frustration really is with coaching education, the governing bodies. We have done, I think, a lot of good when it comes to para-athletes and physical disabilities. But we're not there on the mental side. And it's not a shock to anyone, right? We can go back to the, we're going to spend $5,000 to have our kid play a club sport, but I'll be damned if I spend $50 for mental training or mental health. It's too, it's too much. I'd, I'd rather have personal training. I'd rather have my kid lift weights than be mentally healthy. Again, that's, that's a whole other topic. But So that's what's been bothering me. That nearly 100 of the 551 athletes that I've coached probably were neurodivergent. Even if we swing the numbers... 10, 20, we're talking 80, 70 players that I may, may or may not have helped. I don't, I don't know. But I'm scared to death that we're not getting better. I'm scared to death that all this talk, kids are soft these days. Kids don't have focus. Kids don't have attention. You're right. They don't. And I don't know the reason. And, and that's what I'm digging into. I guess that's what the frustration is. I don't know. 
Has it always been like this and we just never diagnosed it? Has something happened that we are getting more neurodivergent kids? Is it plastics? Is it aluminums? Is it 5G? Is it nuclear power? I don't know. What I do know is that's where we're at. I don't care. I don't care what it was in the past. I don't care that kids appear softer now. Don't care because that's where we're at. Whether they appear or they are or they weren't in the back, it doesn't matter. Because that's where they are now. And we have to coach where they are now. And that means we have to get rid of that stigma. We have to get rid of our, our own blocks as coaches and say they're being disrespectful. No, they're being what they are chemically and genetically made up to be. And we need to learn to help them. That doesn't mean that we have to cater and cave to them. But needs it means that we need to change how we coach. It means that we need to look at how we are doing things for these athletes. Because it's hard for me to go to bed at night when I think about this. It sticks in my brain. Did I drive a kid away from the sport because I didn't recognize? Because I thought they were soft. Because I thought they weren't paying attention. Because I thought they were ignoring me. When they could have just used some help. That's that's what I run into. There's a lot of research, and I'm going to put some of the links to the research in the show notes. So if you want to follow it, you can. But there's there's a million aspects of this. There's There's so many things to think of when you add in neurodivergence to an athlete. We already have a lot of things to think about with athletes. But when we look at the challenges of neurodivergent athletes, the problem is there hasn't been a ton of research. There's been some research, especially on the autistic side of things with athletes, but things like ADHD, ADD, OCD have, have not caught up yet. So a lot of the research you'll find is specific or, or deals with autistic players, Asperger's players, um, and athletes, but there are so many areas that we have to look at. First is concussions. A lot of the studies show that neurodivergent athletes, especially ADHD athletes, not only have a higher rate of concussions, they also have symptoms that are more severe and last longer than non-neurodivergent athletes. So a player of ours gets a concussion and we just think that they're milking it or that they should be back, they should be healed because we don't know that they're neurodivergent and the symptoms are worse and the symptoms are longer. So we rush them back or we push them harder because we think they're being soft. Other unique challenges are communication, social interaction, and anxiety are higher. We talk about oh, the pressures of a game, but we can't treat every player the same. 
trying to coach anxiety out of your team is not going to help you with your players that are anxious. Neurodivergent players are on a completely different level of anxiety. We can say, oh, it's about the pressure of the game. You got to serve in its match point. So I'm going to work on that. We're going to work on that for the whole team. But you can't. It's not the same for everyone. You can't expect them, anyone, non-neurodivergent or neurodivergent athletes, to handle it the same way. But as coaches, we don't look for that. We just generalize it. This team's not mentally strong. Maybe they are. It's just maybe their strength is a little bit different because of where they're at. Communication. It's already tough for players to communicate with a coach because of the authority imbalance. But now you have a neurodivergent player and you want them to talk about playing time or the struggles that they're having. I can't talk to the parents. Come on. The parents are stakeholders too. They should be able to talk to you about playing time. They should be able to talk. It should be respectful. It shouldn't be in the moment. There are boundaries for it. But if you have a neurodivergent player that's afraid or doesn't know how to communicate, then they're going to suffer because they don't know how to advocate for themselves and you're not letting their advocates do it for them. Sensory issues, bright lights, sounds like all these things affect. And most players will try to suck it up. Most players don't want to admit that it's a challenge, so they'll, they'll try their best. But then you wonder why their performance isn't doing well and you bench them or you get upset because they're not performing, but you don't realize it's because something is triggering them, something is setting them off. We always hear it thrown around, we can't cater to every kid. Yes, yes we can. We don't have to give in to every demand, but we absolutely can and should cater to every player. Every team is made up of individuals that come together to make that team. Every team are parts, and it's the sum of those parts that make a, make a team. It's okay to cater and individualize each part for that team. Sometimes you're going to say no. Sometimes it won't work. But we can't continue to put blanket training on everything and then get upset, and most of all, and then punish them. Because they're talking, because they can't focus. That's just not how they operate. Organization, time management, attention are all big symptoms of neurodivergent athletes. If you talk to coaches, those are the big ones that most people have issues with. But I see it in the forums all the time. Oh, the team was late. They weren't focused. They ran. The player couldn't serve for match point because she was scared, so she did push-ups. Miss a serve, do push-ups. Miss a kick, do jumping jacks. 
again, I'm not even making the whole argument that I normally make about using physical punishment, which is ridiculous. I'm talking more about how they can't do better. It's not a decision. I can't decide to focus if my brain is wired differently. And different is beautiful. That's what makes us unique. That's what makes coaching fun are all the different personalities. But we have to stop trying to make everyone our little robots and we have to learn how to coach what we have and get the best out of those players. And we also have to coach and teach the team how to treat each other like that. How to teach the, the team to accept and work and get the best out of each other. Because we can't have true team accountability if we don't understand how to have that accountability. And again, it's not general. It's not generic. You have to break it down. It's different. You know, and, and it's tough. It's tough for parents. It's tough for coaches. It's tough for everyone. It's tough to talk about it. As a parent, it's hard to talk about it with my daughter. But since we've had these discussions and since we open up, I now understand and see things in a almost completely different light which then made me think about my past and how I was coaching in the past and how I'm coaching in the future. When is the last time you checked in on your team? And I'm not talking about depression. I'm not talking about anxiety, just checking into what do they struggle with? Do you struggle with time management? Do you struggle with commitment? Do you struggle with focus? Is it fair to punish those players? No. And the worst part is, if you don't figure this out, and you don't take the time to understand it, and you don't take the time to research it and look for resources... You're never going to get the best out of your team. You're never going to get the best out of your players. So that's what we have to look at. That's what we have to learn. And it's tough. And it's tough. I get it. I'm sure you hear my voice. It's tough to talk about. Equally as a coach, as a parent, as a stakeholder, as a, an educator, it's tough. But, but that's the rabbit hole. That's what's been in the back of my head. Is how do we fix this? And by fix it, I don't mean fixing the players. I mean fixing the system. So it better supports the players and helps the players. There's nothing to fix with the players. It's about getting the best out of those players, getting the best out of us as coaches and how we can work on that. So that's where I'm really focusing. That's where I'm moving forward. That's my pledge. I want to educate myself more, but I want to educate coaches on how do we work with neurodivergent 
athletes. How do we best support them? How do we get the most out of them? How do we push those athletes to be the best they can within the parameters of what they need without it being toxic, without it being harmful, without it being damaging? How do we educate the parents to understand what we're doing, what they need to do? And lastly, how do we educate the world to get rid of this stigma? I'm proud that my daughter can admit it. I'm proud that she knows where she's at and what she has to work on, and she's not afraid to talk about it. I'm proud that she is free to talk with it, talk about it with me. I'm glad I get to work on it with her. Not just to help her, but to help me. To help me understand and help me figure it out so that I can help others. So while continuing to work with you know goal setting and time management and relaxation and self-talk are all things that I am still passionate about and I'm still going to do, I think it's time I need to dive more into this aspect, training and working with athletes that are neurodivergent, educating those around them and the athlete and the coaches on how we can all do better to get the most and to make it an enjoyable experience. You know, I'm doing this podcast literally on the first of the month because a lot of what I'm going to start working on is going to be based on this. And I wanted people to understand why I'm going down this path, why I'm so focused on this path, because we need to be. Because there's not enough people focused on it to help them. I don't know how things are going to change. I don't know what updates I'm going to have. I'm going to continue to research it. I'm going to continue to work on it. I'm going to continue to do better for me, for my daughter, for everyone, for my teams, my family, and for generations to come, hopefully, is helping them figure out how do we work with this. So that's the content I think that we're going to have for the next little bit, and I hope everyone appreciates it, and I hope people understand why. And I would love feedback. I would love stories. I would love to hear if you've worked in this space and what you know what you've done. But... Really, I'm just I'm challenging those above, those producing education products, those governing bodies, whether it's national, Olympic, state, private coaching, private camps. We need to start looking at this. We need to start to educate our coaches on how to work with neurodivergent athletes to the best of their ability. And it's tough. It's tough to think about. I've come to terms with, hopefully I did a good job in the past. I could have done better, but now moving forward, I'm going to do better. And, and for me, that's what it is. I hope the 551 are okay, especially the nearly 100 that probably were neuro neurodivergent. But I'm going to use them to help guide me for the next 551. That's my goal. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I know it wasn't super upbeat and it's challenging. 
but I think it's just time we have to talk about it and we have to work on it, and I'm committed to it. As always, reach out to me with your stories, your thoughts, what we can do, at Real Dan Mickle on all social media, at 717soul for Soul for Performance Academy, mentalcast.com, danmickle.com has all my information, all my other social media uh, postings and links and all that other content is available on danmickle.com. And of course, soulperformanceacademy.com for training courses and methods. But again, we'll really appreciate shares, likes, ratings, reviews, everything we do to pump this out. But more, I think this message is probably one of the most important I've ever done. And I think this is what we need to work on. And I'm really lining up the, the next episode will be a sit down with my daughter and, and we're going to talk about it. She's agreed to talk about, you know, the struggles that she's had as an athlete and the challenges that she has and, and what helps and what doesn't help. And I think it'd be a great template or at least a starter for some of us to kind of figure out some things that we can do. So peace, much love, don't suck. One day one, it's either day one or it's one day your choice. And I'll see you on the next episode of The Mental Cast. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Mental Cast. We hope you enjoyed it. We would love for you to like, share, and leave a review for this episode to help boost our exposure. And remember, you can reach out to us with the hashtags Ask717Soul and AskDanMickle. And you may also email your questions to podcast at 717Soul or podcast at DanMickle to reach us. And we may use your questions for future episodes. Thank you, and we look forward to bringing you more episodes in the future.